Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> that's I saw that. <laughs> no, I saw that from uh, Jack Dax Shepherd. Yeah. His, <laughs> right. He's another one that's got a podcast. Yeah, they are good. I like listening. Everybody yeah. has a podcast. Everybody does. Everybody and <laughs> I mean my everybody and their husband. But this is your podcast, so you should like say something to start the podcast. Okay. What should I say? <laughs> not very good at this so... podcast. <laughs> this is why we haven't actually published any podcasts yet. Because <laughs> we've had nothing good to say. Um no, so today we wanted to just talk about oh, the are, PCA. Don't you have to like, say who you are? No. We want to be anonymous. You want to be anonymous and host a podcast. And host a podcast. And people will just listen to our voices. Uh, you could say the anonymous podcast. I mean, that has a nice sure. ring to it. That's a good title. Yeah. I bet there are people out there that do such things. <laughs> Probably. Or use a code name. So we just say our name. Yeah. Well, so, does the podcast have a name? Well, the podcast is called The Real Women of Church Ministry. But now our first episode is going to have half men. So maybe we need to rethink our name. Rethink our name already no, before we no. even start. I definitely do not want to be an official Real woman. <laughs> I'm happy to be a guest. Yes. So today we have guests. Rob Wooten, Tim Mindman. You know, that reminds me. I haven't even asked you guys. So is it Mindman or do you have an extra syllable in there? Mindman is Mindman. usually how we say it. Yeah. All right. Sorry. But don't worry. I've heard far worse. Through the- <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you have. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you get the spelling wrong all the time. But you, you introduced Mindman. us before you were saying who you were. Yes, because you're the guests. You're supposed to introduce the guests. They still don't know who you are. So today we're going to be talking about um, Mm -hmm. the PCA and how wonderful it is. And uh, so I I was saying that, you know, most people in the, with our experience, most people in PCA churches, uh, a lot of them don't even really pay a lot of attention to what makes us PCA and what what the BCO, like if you say, what is the BCO? People might know what it stands for. You might've heard of it. Definitely haven't read it. <laughs> uh, and so today we wanna to talk about what the BCO is, why it's important and what it means to General Assembly and kind of give an overview of what General Assembly is for us as a church. Um, We may or may not even ever hear about GA on an average Sunday from week to week. Um, You might, I mean, the first time I heard about it, it was a prayer request in our bulletin that they didn't even actually pray for out loud. (laughs) about the men who were going to GA that week. So it, it was in the bulletin on Sunday and they were leaving after church to go to GA. And so that was the first time I had ever heard of it. 
And so I, I think it'd be helpful for people in our congregations to understand a little bit more about what GA is, what overtures are, what the BCO does for us. And I even didn't know about the rules of assembly operations. What is it? <laughs> uh, the rule, yeah, the RAO. The RAO. Which is included as part of the BCO. So that's the first time I heard of the RAO, which sounds cool. And, you know. So anyway, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about about all of that today and, and lay out some of what overtures are. And so my first question to Rob and to Tim as teaching elders in good standing and so far. the PCA so far <laughs> as of right this moment right now. Um, maybe you can even talk about what that means. What is General Assembly? Go. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know, it, I, it feels like you, you got to start big picture and with some basics to really understand. So the, the General Assembly is uh, the annual meeting of the denomination and, uh, the, and where, and it is a court of the church. So there are three courts of the church. The, the session, which oversees the, the local church, the presbytery, which oversees the, the regional churches, and, and then the general assembly, which is of the whole denomination. Um, it meets annually and it, it conducts business of the denomination. So there are, um, I think it's like 4,000 teaching elders or pastors in the denomination. Does that sound right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> There's a lot. I don't know exactly how many there are. And yeah, somewhere around, it's, it's over 4,000 and I don't remember the exact number. Uh, and so Tim and I are two of those. <laughs> um, and so each, each uh, uh, pastor, teaching elder, has a vote on this court um, if they attend General Assembly. And then also the ruling elders, and these are uh, lay leaders at the local congregation who are elected by their congregation um, to serve and shepherd and, and guide the church. They also can vote. Uh, usually attendance at General Assembly is lower for ruling elders for normal reasons. It's like they don't have the time off, they're working, um, they don't want to take their vacation to go to a church meeting, and you can't bl blame them for that. <laughs> and then, um, and the, but really, we end up having like twelve to thirteen hundred registered pastors or elders able to vote at a general assembly meeting, and they're voting on issues concerning the church. Um, and one category of these issues are overtures. Uh, that is what you want to talk about. 
Do you guys want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I would add just for, um, you know, for those who may be new to the PCA or new to uh, being in a church that's part of a denomination, um, I think that that the basic structure that we have is, is a very good thing because the, you know, part of the point of having churches organized into presbyteries and then, and then a general assembly is that there's some, there's some oversight, there's some means of accountability for leadership in the church. Um, you know, it, at least that's, that's kind of the goal so that there's, so that there's accountability as to what's being preached, what's being done. Um, does it always work well? No, it, it doesn't. Um, but it's, it's something, you know, and I mean, especially in, in our country, there are so many independent churches where, you know, any pastor or leader in a church could end up doing, you know, teaching any kind of crazy thing from the pulpit or doing who knows what with very little accountability. And, um, you know, I think that one of the ideas of, of being in uh, a denomination is that there's some, some kind of oversight over that. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and like the oversight that, that, that Tim is talking about, it's um, in, in our particular system, it's uh, it's Presbyterian and, and, and Presbyterian is, is a form of government of church government. It's rest, it's uh, representational. And so, pastors and elders are elected. Um, the two other types of church government are congregation. The congregation um, votes on everything and determines everything. Um, Baptists are supposedly congregational. And then the other is hierarchical, hierarchical, hierarchical. That is something. Yes. Is that or, right? Or Episcopal, I think, is, you know, they often... <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and that's the Catholic Church or the Episcopal Church, Anglican Church, where uh, the, the, uh, the, the rector, the, the pastor of that church, the priest, um, you know, is solely in charge and they answer to then a bishop who oversees the regional area. And then, of course, with the uh, Catholic Church, you have the Pope. But being Presbyterian, it means that um, that our uh, pastors are elected the elders are elected and they serve together and their vote is the same so my my vote doesn't carry any more weight than the ruling elders who uh, are elected to serve as well um you know so i think forms of church government is where to start uh then the next step is the presbyterian form of church government and you know we we take this from scripture where we see that you know, like Paul would go into town and appoint elders, and those elders are overseeing churches. And then, um, and then in Acts 15, we have the Jerusalem Council, where the they the they came from all over. The these uh, elders, it says, the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider the matter of circumcision and was it necessary. And that's really a pattern for understanding what we do at a general assembly is that we are gathering together to uh, to consider a matter that affects the, the whole congregation, the whole church. But you have actually settled on circumcision already. 
<laughs> yes, that that one's. I just want to clarify. <laughs> well, you know, Paul cleared that up. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're in we're done you know, two thousand years ago. The PCA is still talking about. That. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, and <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't. Are there some <laughs> obscure reason why circumcision would come up? Probably not. Yeah, they call it something else. So I have a couple. I have a couple questions. Um, just that just came up when you guys were talking. First, I think this is really important because I think there's a lot of people that don't recognize um, in the PCA just how decisions come about, how decisions are made that affect the whole denomination, right? Um, and I think sometimes there's this misunderstanding. Like, it's something. I mean, I know even just this week this came up in a church where people heard that some church was leaving the denomination and this was the reason why and the reason they give for why is like well no that's not actually a thing in the pca so i think it's helpful to understand where decisions are made how they're made and where they come from but i had a question when you talked about the general assembly about how many usually come to general assembly i know in a session meeting no, not in a session meeting, in a congregational, when the congregation gets together for their meetings, there has to be a quorum. Um, is that a thing in the general assembly level or no? It is, yeah. I don't know the numbers offhand, but. I was just curious. It's in the book. It's in the book. Yeah. I should read it. It's just in the, the BCO. BCO is your friend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and talking about the book of church order, like it, it's a, it's another part of, um, you know, the is being a confessional denomination, which we we have uh, documents after the Bible. So the Bible, the Bible is number one. Number one, um, we it's the number one rule and authority of all matters of life and faith, and um, and and then we have some some other documents that that Tim and I have taken vows to. Um, to you know, uphold and uh, and those include the Westminster Confession of Faith and and the uh, Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechisms and then the Book of Church Order and getting a little bit too far down into it. Um, not every part of the Book of Church Order has um, constitutional authority, uh, but but it. The, the, um, oh shoot, what's the first part? Do you remember? This is like ordination <laughs> exam stuff. <laughs> okay, let me see. I've, I've, I've got the book right here. The form of government is the first part. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, so that, that is, uh, and then there's the rules of discipline. And I, and both of those are, are binding. The third part is the directory for worship. And that's non-binding. Except uh, for what chapters, Tim? Oh man, except for, let's see, uh, ordination exam, uh, except for, oh, the things that we say during, uh, during baptism, um, and let's see, admitting new members. Well, you're, you're close. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't have kept you from doing it so from uh from ordination with that answer but um <laughs> <Good job. laughs> 
it's the chapters concerning the sacraments. So oh, the, sacraments. Um, the baptism and the Lord's Supper. And then there is uh, recently one um, part of the uh, in chapter 59, the solemnization of marriage that um, that part of that was made constitutional as well. Um, and that was that change was made through an overture. Um, and and so I, I think like understanding General Assembly and the overtures is a significant part of what we do at General Assembly. And the overtures happen because uh, someone in the denomination, a pastor and elder usually um, is looking through and say, this can be done better. Uh, this aspect of how we organize and make sense of our, um, our, our rules for, for government um, can, can be better. Uh, we can also make some changes to the um, confession, um, but that's a, a much uh, harder process. It takes longer um, and, and we can make changes to the Book of Church Order which can take anything that has constitutional authority. Um, it takes uh, two GAs to pass any changes that we make. But the big picture is we think that this, the Book of Church Order, is a wise and godly way to apply scripture in, in a way that helps us to organize and, and do our jobs well as pastors and overseers um, caring for the church moving forward. And so whatever matters come up, like at, in uh, the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, you know, we, we get together, we talk about them, and we try to find ways to do that. That's, uh, that's helpful. I mean, you know, I, as we were saying before we, you know, made this official and started recording, like I listened <laughs> to, uh, to podcasts that are mainly uh, comedy, you know, uh, guys being funny. It's hard to be funny <laughs> talking about <laughs> the book of church order. <laughs> so I don't know how, uh, how entertaining this will be. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we have a pretty small niche group for this one, but um, I think it'd be important for people who do want to understand why we're part of the PCA. Um, you know, I had, I thought maybe we should make Rob and Tim wrap everything, have a wrap oh, no. battle. <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. More interesting. Um, you know, for me, it might be, funny, but it might be funny. Very long, then it would just be painful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that it would be. <laughs> I mean, for me coming into the PCA, so I've been in the PCA since 2007. And, um, you know, I kind of had, I had no idea what the PCA even really was. I had never heard, heard of it before, really. I mean, I'd heard of Tim Keller. Um, I heard of him because I grew up in New York and I'd gone to his church a few times, but I didn't know his denomination. I didn't even think about it. I grew up conservative Baptist, um, went to a lot of non-denominational churches. And so, you know, by the time 2007 came around, I was curious about denominations and what they do because there is this kind of um, assumption that every denomination is kind of the same in the sense that there's just some group that kind of makes decisions for people. And there are some denominations that are like that. And the PCA is not 
one of them. I mean, you know, to me, it was like the PCA was, um, you know, some group of, you know, old guys who went to seminary sitting in a room, smoking pipes, drinking whiskey, and making decisions for everybody. Well, that, that was my perception of what that, happened. That's actually more accurate. I mean, it's probably accurate. <laughs> well, I mean, a little because, accurate. <laughs> because it's a representational form of government. Right. right. I mean, like, like our own, you know, U.S. government. Right. It's it's not not everybody in the whole United States gets to take part in the votes that happen on Capitol Hill. That doesn't make any sense. That would not be in good order. Um, and so uh, people are elected to the Congress and the Senate uh, to make those decisions. And that's that's what happens here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good comparison as as. You, know, you and I have talked before, it is a comparison to how we do government in some ways in America. Like we don't all vote on everything. We kind of leave it up to the people who are more interested in everything and the, the people who have studied, who've done their due diligence, people who have who have researched and trained and all that in, in their areas of expertise and we rely on them to make wise decisions for us and represent us. Um, we also, you know, in, in the PCA, we do have, you know, congregational meetings about certain things, or we do, I mean, like you said before, we vote for the men who are put on the session. And so in that way, we're, we're part of those kinds of decisions, but then we are entrusting them to, to do what's wise and right, um, and, and lead us in the right directions. So it's kind of, you know, there are people who will say things like the PCA does this or the PCA believes this. And to some degree it's true, but it's also, I think, important for us to, and, and this is getting into what actually happens with an overture and the GA. Um, you know, overtures come about, like you started to say, um, a, anybody can come up with an overture. Like I can today sit down and write up a thing that says, here's what I think should happen. And depending on how much merit it has, it will go to an elder. Um, well, you take it. To you take the, it to uh, the elder. An elder or pastor. And then what happens from there? Well, at that point, then the session of a local church uh, can discuss it. That that being, you know, sort of the, not necessarily the lowest court, but it's the, it's the, I guess the court of original jurisdiction, but, but the, the local section would talk through it and decide, you know, whether they think it's, there's merit to it. And then if they, if they approve it, then they can send it up to the presbytery. Yes. Uh, and then that, that as the next court would also discuss it well, and um, you know, potentially if it passes the presbytery, then it could go all the way up to uh, general assembly. But at, at any one of those steps, you know, there there could be any number of things that could happen to it. You know, there could be a uh, a study committee formed to to study the scripture on this particular thing or to, you know, to get more information 
uh, or it could just be uh, tabled for a future date, or it could just be, uh, you know, outrightly rejected. Improve or um, or make things better. Improve um, the way in which the process or worship or or whatever is is happening within the PCA, not just. Um, I don't like something. Yeah. Well, I, I think it would be anything that would come to the point of affecting the whole denomination. I mean, sometimes it might just be clarifying something that's said in the book of church order. There's, you know, a diversity of views on, or uh, it, you know, it might have to do with, I don't know, a particular understanding of scripture um, or you know, I, I mean, there's any variety of things that could be affecting the entire denomination. Okay, so I guess then, you know, with using the example of um, the form of government, you know, in the country that we have, if there's, as a lay person, you know, something is, is going on that you, that you need clarity on, or you want um, ex explained, you would talk to your representative. That's, you know, like I think about just even recently things that are happening, um, on topics that I care a lot about in the country. And then that's where I would send my letters to my representative or, you know, say, I, I would, I would like to see, I, I need to understand more, whatever this is. That's where you would talk to your elder or pastor. That wouldn't necessarily be an overture. It might become one. Um, you 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 would go to a pastor or an elder and say, "Hey, I'm concerned about this issue in the church." Um, and if you are familiar with how things change and how things happen, because you've now listened to this podcast, uh, you you might say, "Hey, is it possible that we could change this? Um, that we could run." You know, come up with uh, an overture to address that this this particular issue, and and uh, and just to you know clarify the the differences between our U.S. government. Um, there's this much more personal connection to your representative, be you know your elder or pastor, than than we'd ever have in in government in our US government, um, because our, our role, like uh, our, our primary role is, as pastor and elders uh, to shepherd the sheep, to, to care for uh, the people in our congregation. And, and ultimately that's why we want to, to move these changes forward because it's going to do, it's going to help us to do our job of um, loving and caring for uh, the the people that we have made vows to love and care for we want, we want to do that in in ways that uh, are more biblical um, more gracious more loving um, and and that's why we have these uh, these documents uh, that make up the um, the constitution of the denomination constitutional documents. Yeah, and so that that let's go there. I mean, uh, since you brought it up, you know, one one of the frustrations I think a lot of us as lay people might have, um, in theory, is that we go to any one of our elders in our churches, 
with concerns and um, our elders don't necessarily even know where to go for the answers or they, they don't, they, you know, not, not to be cruel, I don't wanna, I don't wanna be cruel, but, but you know, there are plenty of times that I know of where there are elders who don't even understand what we're talking about right now, right? I mean, there are people who are just kind of making decisions on their local level and, and doing what they need to do on their sessions for their church, but they don't necessarily um, understand their commitment to the larger denomination and, and understand their role in, in having to do the work of, okay, how do, why are we PCA and why are we relying on these documents that have been created over hundreds of years to help govern us? And, and maybe we, we need to encourage more elders to really embrace that part of their role. Like, okay, I do need to understand what presbytery, what happens on the presbytery level. I do need to understand what happens at GA and how it affects the way that we talk to our people and shepherd our people on the local level. Because there are things that happen at GA that will affect the way that the PCA, um, you know, it may take years to show up, but it will affect the way the PCA is shaped for our future. And I was just, you know, reminded of one of the overtures that's come out this year is the one on uh, social media. I mean, social media is a huge factor in what's happening in our local churches as, as you know, the four of us certainly know, and, and probably anybody listening to this knows that, you know, social media has become this, this whole other, you know, battle to win. And, um, you know, how do we engage in that on the local level, the press chair level and the, at GA. And so this overture that came out um, out of uh, Central Indiana, it's coming up this year is going to, look at that and say, hey, let's let's put a committee together. We love committees. Let's put a committee together <laughs> to really study, like, what does it mean to be engaged on social media as a believer? And what does it mean to elders, to their vows, the way that they engage on social media? Like, this stuff isn't in the BCO because, you know, the BCO was written 100 years ago, right? So, um, and to be fair, that's what we're talking about. The BCO is this living, breathing document that gets added onto through overtures at GA, right? So, um, I mean, just to clarify, <laughs> so um, our Book of Church Order uh, took its form in 1973 when the denomination formed. It, when our Book of Church Order was put together, it borrowed heavily on the book of church orders throughout Presbyterian history, dating back to the 1600s. So, oh, that's what I mean. But but <laughs> in our in our book of church order, just as an example, not an, this isn't so much the issue um, in regards to communication during general assembly. Um, yet it says that uh, it, it says that uh, the commissioners, the, those who are registered and able to vote, um, can't receive communications about their vote uh, from outside of the assembly via telegram, right? 
Um, and and that that I mean that's something that needs to change. That's one of the things that can get changed. You know, something that's antiquated that doesn't make any sense anymore. No telegrams at GA. Texting's okay though, but just no telegrams. <laughs> Can you actually send a telegram anymore? Is that a thing? I don't even know. <laughs> Someone show up and knock on your door with the printed out <laughs> note. Just have to look that up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so all that to say, the 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 overtures can be very um, important to the way that that local churches carry out church discipline cases. It can, I mean, right now there's, there's several um, overtures about church discipline proceedings and how sessions go about their trials, investigations, um, what's allowed. There's several overtures about um, same-sex attracted clergy. I mean, that's gonna be, that's gonna be the the biggest ones. I mean, there's there's six different overtures that have been submitted uh, around that issue um, for this year. We we also at this point I want to mention we're also going on two years because so we all know last year was a disaster for everybody and so the GA was um, canceled or you know postponed for last year last June. And then um, now we're going into our second year of of all the debate and all you know all the kind of fallout from a lot of the stuff going live back in 2019, right? So, you know, a lot of our uh, elders have been given an extra year to become wiser and maturer, maturer, and um, more mature. and do their their due diligence to figure out. Um, which way they're going to vote on these things and and what issues are are the most important to to the purity and the polity of the PCA. Yeah, you know, I think to some extent, looking at the overtures that are out there, I think there's you know it's a, a little bit of an indicator of what what are on the minds and hearts of elders in the denomination and uh, you know anybody certainly any member of any church can suggest an overture but you know it, it really takes the con conviction of a session to be able to say yes we you know we are convinced that this is something that needs to be pursued and then uh, you know and then after it goes up, it, a whole presbytery then has to acknowledge this is this is something that should go further so um, you know, these are these are big topics. These are important things when they get to the level of General Assembly that that really are on the hearts and minds of a lot of people. Um, so but yeah, I mean, it, it, it hopefully that should be an encouragement that if there is something that that any person thinks is an important thing that needs to be addressed, they can bring it to their session. And, you know, if if uh, if the spirit is moving uh, in that session to uh, to convince that session as well that this is something that that needs to be addressed or changed, then um, then that can happen. 
Yeah. Um, do you want to just quickly talk about, so once the overtures get written up by those sessions, they get approved by Presbytery, and then they go, they were submitted to uh, the GA, what are they called? Administrative committee or administration? The, the administrative committee uh, determines, you know, where where the 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 overture is going to go. Um, you know, does it go to uh, the overtures committee, or does it go to the committee of constitutional business, or does it go to one of the standing committees because it because it addresses issues like that that deal with MTW or. Um, which is our mission, overseas missions agency, missions to the world, our missions to North America, which handles uh, ministry here and, um, or Covenant College or Covenant Seminary. Uh, and so that, that's the part of, you know, the, the GA process with overtures in figuring out what, where where it best should be discussed and, um, and then there's a there's an overtures committee that meets during GA it's, it's, they meet a day early and it and they and they meet throughout and sometimes they are sent back to discuss something further like in the middle of, of GA um, and I was part of an overtures committee that had to do that but it it meets to discuss the, the merits of each of these overtures. Um, if there's several that are addressing similar topics, uh, we'll often kind of group those together and there's technical language for how we do that. But, um, and, and the purpose for the overtures committee is so that you get, I don't know, like 80 uh, people discussing um, how to proceed with this rather than 1,500 um, because managing a discussion amongst 1,500 people on intricacies of a particular overture um, would be unmanageable um, and take way too long. And so the overtures committee then um, brings recommendations to the general assembly um, to, uh, to on how to, to proceed um, and, and, and that's when a vote occurs. And so, and then the general assembly discussion on overtures is limited. Um, it can sometimes go late into the night. Um, you know, there have been general assemblies that have met until midnight and pick up the next morning, um, and then go longer than a lot of time because of these discussions. Um, but the, uh, the overtures committee is trying to minimize that. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't make any decisions. It just frames the way that the assembly votes on the overture. Does that make sense? Yes. Sure. So the overtures <laughs> committee has its um, each presbytery. Is that correct? Sends one representative. Sends one teaching elder and one ruling elder. I don't know how many presbyteries are that do you know? I think there's eighty something. Yeah. So that's so I guess we could have 160 in overtures, but it rarely fills out to that. It's not every 
uh, presbytery sends um, two, two people. Some don't send any, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that you served on overtures twice now. Yes. I remember the two times that you were on overtures. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and uh, late, sometimes late nights. There's one late night, I remember, that you got out at 12 at night. <clears throat> right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is this like one of those sections that you'll like edit out? Yes. So, where nobody says where anything, no one's talking nobody says anything it's sort of awkward <laughs> kind of well i think it's an important piece of of what actually happens to ga because you know when when i look at the schedule at ga and i think you know this 1500 guys in a room talking about every little thing seems like a nightmare and uh you only have like two days, <laughs> like two and a half days to get through it all. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting to me. So the overtures committee is trying to um, like, I don't want to say water down. Well, like <laughs> sift through and, and package yeah. things, I guess, in a way that's, that's uh, easier to work through in, in the business format. So, yeah, yeah, and and the, the Overture Committee is it's kind. This isn't exactly the case, but it's kind of like the Overtures Committee can't say um, yes, this should happen, but it can kind of say no. Um, and and a lot of times the Overtures Committee will say um, we're sending this back to the Presbytery, um, <clears throat> or it'll be. Like you'll have a you know a very significant majority uh, in overtures committee that will say this is a bad idea. Um, we don't want this to go forward. And if that's the case, like if you have uh, eighty-five percent of the overtures committee saying this should not be passed, it goes before general assembly, and there's very little, if any, discussion. And they'll just say, and we'll. And, and it could go the other way too. It could say, this is a no brainer. Um, we should move this forward. And, you know, if I, uh, uh, aside from a, a few people who may think otherwise, um, you know, it, it'll, it'll get voted upon in short order in the assembly based on the overtures recommendation. So it's really an important committee that can kind of sift through overtures and I guess really make sure that a presbytery has done their, their homework and due diligence before sending an overture all the way up to GA uh, because yeah. it might get through the overtures committee. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say that the overtures committee kind of has a lot of power? Is that a bad word to say? But uh, it, it, uh, it can be um, significantly influential and there's often in Presbyteries jockeying, you know, or trying to get the people that you want on overtures because they're going to vote the way that you, they, that, you know, that your particular 
group may want them to vote. So yeah. the, the whole presbytery has to agree on who who goes for them. Yeah, it's voted on. Like just a simple majority. Yeah, and it's it is. Um, I think it's become those votes are becoming more and more contested of late, but oftentimes it's uh, the, I mean, just, you know, to, to put it bluntly, because it's so much work, uh, there's not a lot of people that are saying, yeah, I want to sign up for that. And so if someone volunteers often, they'll be the one to do it. Uh, I mean, part of the dynamic in the PCA right now, which is beyond this particular discussion, is that, um, you know, there are the, the, the uh, so-called progressives in the denomination who, you know, as compared to uh, progressives anywhere else, we're, we're not progressive. Um, we, we're ordained to one of the most conservative denominations uh, in, in the world. So, um, <laughs> and, then, and, and then there's those on the, the more conservative side. And so, yeah, there's two sides, but, but really like if you, if you made it into sort of a left and right kind of idea, the moderates are, are, have way more majority. Uh, there's far more moderates in, in the PCA than there are those on the left and the right. Um, and so the, the sort of um, trying to get the right guy in is often driven by um, the guys on the so-called so left or the so-called right. Would you say, um, it, it, is it fair to say that there's, there's not a lot of heavily contentious votes for GA? Like, and, and what I mean by that is, would you say that a lot of the votes are are split pretty evenly or not? I mean, that's probably hard to, I'm sure someone out there can quantify that for us, but like what, what would, just kind of your, from your experience? From my experience, votes at GA, um, I, you know, it's, uh, is it going to be is it going to be an 80-20 vote? If it's an 80-20 vote, then then it's not terribly controversial. A 60-40 vote is is something that's controversial. Every GA has uh, and 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 more over the last 10 years or so has well, I don't know if that's true either. Yeah, there's always something controversial. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just want to also mention quickly something that I I think is fascinating. Um, there's also something called the Minority Report, which is a semi-cool Tom Cruise movie. And, um, you know, based on this idea that, like, anytime there's a vote, and it's controversial or, I mean, it doesn't even have to be controversial, right? Like it doesn't even have to be really close vote, but any vote, someone can come up with a minority report that says, even though we didn't you know, win this vote, we, we want people to understand our, our rationale for the way we voted. Is that true? 
Yeah, that's correct. Um, and there's uh, rules for how that all happens, which I don't know offhand. Uh, but, you know, it, you don't, the, a minority report, report does not have to be filed. Um, and if it's, you know, an, it's if it's not a 60-40 kind of vote or, or closer, often, you know, for an 80-20 kind of vote, you won't get a, you usually won't get a minority report. And you have to have a certain number of people willing to sign the minority report. Um, and this is a report that can come from any committee, but in terms of the overtures committee, if uh, the overtures says, we suggest that the General Assembly vote this particular way, yes or no, on this overture, um, and the minority would say, we disagreed with this action by the General Assembly, I mean, by the Overtures Committee, and we want to submit, we want to, like you said, submit our rationale for saying that this was the wrong move. So, Robin, how long, how many GAs have you and Rob have been to? How many, how many would you count? I mean, you've, Three? you've been to Three? two. So I'm counting the one that we weren't married and we were both at, but we hadn't met each other yet, <laughs> which is, you know, another story. But yeah, 2011, we were both at, right? At the Virginia yeah. Beach one. <laughs> And that was really my first experience at GA because um, it was in our presbytery. And so I was the music director at the time and we got a group of people together to sing for one of the worship nights and um, at, at the convention center. And I stood behind, just side story, <laughs> I stood behind <laughs> Tim Keller when he was speaking, like I, I was like right behind him and sat right behind him the whole time. So nobody could so see. So no one could see me because on he's the, like a foot and a half tall. He's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's my big claim to fame. I was on the Jumbotron with Tim Keller, but you couldn't see me. <laughs> I was I was just curious because you know uh, when you talked about when you guys you know, Robin, you coming into the PCA, um, Tim and I, neither of us grew up in the PCA and we didn't, we didn't come into the PCA until we were in college. Um, so we've been in the PCA for 20 years. Um, Tim has been a youth pastor for 11 years in the PCA. Unordained. And then two years now ordained senior pastor in the PCA. So this will be our first general assembly that we will have ever been to. So there's a lot we just don't even know about how things go. But you know, and listening the whole process I think is helpful for, for someone who's never been there. Um, but then I guess my next question it comes from like once all that goes through into general, you know, and general assembly votes on something in the affirmative. How does that information get back to the local churches or does it? Because I feel like there's things that happen at the GA level a lot of times that when I look back over my, my history in the PCA, I had no idea about, you know? 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's, and it's one of the problems, and, and it, it isn't just about communication, although that is part of it, but it's also about participation. So, uh, you know, like we said, there's um, 4,000 pastors, uh, and then the number of ruling elders is going to be five times that, uh, at least. And, and so we could have... Uh, um, you know, how does that work out? Uh, I mean, we could have uh, 15,000 commissioners, um, but we've only got one-tenth of that. Um, and so that means there's a lot of pastors and elders that are not participating in the General Assembly. And there's also a lot of pastors and elders that, which means churches, that don't participate in their Presbyterian meetings. Um, and, and I've seen... Uh, more and more churches, uh, presbyteries try to deal with that because they, they are required by the standards of which we made vows to, to uh, be a part of the, the church government. But, um, but a, lo a lot of pastors, elders, and churches um, just sort of get in this mindset that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I want to do. I don't, I'm not going to do anything that's going to get me in trouble. And really, I've got enough going on in my own um, congregation that I'm not going to worry about what's happening in Presbytery or General Assembly. And, and the reality is, is that it's just short-sighted. Um, um, so that, that, that I think is the bigger reason why you, we don't hear about what happens at General Assembly. But, uh, but after that, it is uh, a, a church's uh, um, you know, failure to communicate any of these issues. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it takes wisdom on how best to communicate them. And, um, but there, you know, there, there aren't enough churches that are uh, saying, okay, how are we going to communicate what happened on a denominational level this year to our congregation? Um, that, that, that question probably does not come up in uh, a majority of um, PCA sessions. And that's why you don't hear about it. You know, I mean, I know that things are always, they're always published, you know, I mean, uh, the administrative committee puts out all the information and, you know, by faith, they, they'll put it out there. But um, as far as whether most members of the church are uh, taking the initiative to go out and see if their pastors or elders aren't telling them, probably not. I mean, you know, if they even know that the General Assembly met. Um, so I, I think it really is on local uh, teaching and ruling elders to communicate what's happening in the denomination, which, you know, I think a lot of times it's extent going to be driven by the issues that have been discussed and especially if there were particularly uh, contentious issues that uh, you know the uh, a teaching elder has a, a specific view on lay lay people pastors wives etc um, you know for, for me my heart is that more people would be encouraged to to understand what, what's happening in our denomination at any given time would be encouraged to uh, engage in conversations about 
Um, I, we all made vows to the purity of the church and we want to be, that, that's what we want to be doing. This is the work of the kingdom. This is the work that, that Jesus has us do as we wrestle together with what it means to be God's people on earth and in our communities and, and in the world. And so my hope is that as we talk about all these things that, um, you know, people will be encouraged to, to pray, first of all, um, you know, I've been praying, I have a sign for my face every day to pray for the elders that are going to be at GA, um, to, that they would be wise and discerning and, and all the things, <laughs> um, and that, uh, you know, God's heart would be reflected in all of us as we go forward into, into these important decisions. Um, I want, you know, Elizabeth and I have been talking and, and just, you know, some of it's been about, you know, just complaining about the PCA, but it's out of, it's out of a deep love <laughs> and concern for her. Um, we, we want the PCA to, to be a reflection of how the kingdom's supposed to work in all of its awkwardness and all of its um, rightness. And, and we want it to be constantly moving towards being more like Christ for the people who are, who are in our churches. And so um, the, that's where we hope we're, we're helping, right, Elizabeth? <laughs> like, I mean, we hope that the conversations we've been having, the things that we've been posting are are helping people to understand um, what our role as, as churches um, really looks like. Yeah, and I think um, it's it's true that anybody in the PCA can or can go to General Assembly, right? Absolutely. If anyone would wanted, like if a lay person was a nerd who really wanted to Talk about entertainment. So excited to attend, far more excited than my husband. <laughs> You know, so the two that I've been to as a pastor's wife, um, I, you know, a lot of, so this is probably another uh, episode, but, um, you know, as a pastor's wife going to General Assembly, I've had a number of women tell me they don't, they never even actually go to the meetings because they can be, they can be pretty, whatever the opposite of entertaining is. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they have women's activities, right? They um, do, like, they do have women's activities. <laughs> they do. Garden tours. We get tours and brunches. And uh, I mean, it's all lovely. Please don't get me wrong. Um, and you, you can find, you can find groups to do whatever it is you're interested in. But I, you know, I've gone to a couple of sessions and I find it fascinating. I, I think personally, it was up to me, like I would make everyone go to at least one because I think it's, it's interesting and important to understand how it all plays out. Um, and if you're like a, a little despot, you would make people. I would stuff. make people. Yes. If I was <laughs> the, the Pope of the PCA, <laughs> I would make everyone go. Um, I mean, yeah. But I wouldn't go to all of them for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there, there are great times of worship. Yeah. All the worship services are excellent because every presbytery is just, you know, they, they have time to get their worship teams together. And I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful picture of, but of God's the, the people. The preaching is, preaching is always excellent. Yeah. Yeah. 
and this year in St. Louis, it's a it's a good place to visit. It's a great for families. Yeah, I mean, this year it'll be interesting because you know with COVID restrictions still in place, they have a lot of uh, things they, they'll need to figure out. So I don't think they'll have quite as much to offer as they usually do. Usually the the committees that put on GA, I mean, they have all kinds of stuff going on, but it may not be as much this year, unfortunately, um, just because of restrictions in place, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. And we're planning to be there in a camper van and we're gonna sell oh, nice. We're going to sell t-shirts. <laughs> and, and Rob's new book, Rob's book hopefully will be out by then. Oh, so yeah. Great. His book out of the back of our van. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You'll have to come by and see us. 